Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Today, the beautiful Ebony here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Eb. So before we dive into all of the juice and the wonderful deliciousness of this conversation, I would love for you to tell us a little more on you, who you are, where you're from, all the things. Hey, everyone. My name is Ebony. Great to be on the podcast. So I'm a women's health nutritionist and also a life coach. So I specialize in helping women, particularly who are experiencing problems with low energy, period problems, particularly postpartum issues as well. So you've had a few babies and then things have gone a little bit whack with your periods. I also help women experiencing gut issues. So they might be having things like bloating and constipation or diarrhea. They're just feeling a bit yucky after eating certain things. Uh, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And then just recently I've introduced more life coaching. I recently qualified as a master NLP practitioner. Yay. Just like me. That's how we met, which is really cool. Um, so I would love to know what directed your career path to be in women's health and in particular nutrition. What, how did that start for you? Yeah. So I was, I've always been really into health from a very long, young age. So I grew up um, being more, I guess, on the fitness side. So my parents were both really active and I was very, very sporty growing up. I uh, would say that I had a pretty balanced diet in my childhood years. So my parents owned a supermarket. So we were always around like lots of fruit and veg and lots of lollies and chocolates as well. So I had a bit of balance with both things. Wasn't until I got into um, probably my young teenage years, early adulthood that I started taking, I guess, a different direction with my health, mm-hmm. probably drinking too much, um, hanging out with people where I was um, probably socialising more than I was being healthy. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't much balance there, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, And then when I moved up to the Gold Coast in my late teens, I started doing like a lot of running and I got sort of back into it's quite a sporty, outdoorsy lifestyle on the Gold Coast and I still live up here now. Um, And I was on the pill at the time too and I started doing some research on different symptoms with the pill and did I really need to be on any oral contraceptives and I can't remember specifically what sparked it because there wasn't much around back then in Mm. my early sort of 20s around what the pill was doing um I can't even remember if I read it in like one of the magazines like Cosmo or whatever I was reading at the time yeah but I just remember thinking maybe I need to change some stuff so I went and had a chat to my doctor at the time and I, yeah, just decided to stop taking it. Mm. Post coming off the pill, my period was non-existent. 
Wow. And I had actually ramped up a lot of my fitness. So I was starting to, I had become a personal trainer and I was really getting into uh, the fitness competitions. So I was going quite well with those and I was very, very lean. Mm. So a part of me had this identity of I'm this person in fitness. I need to be you know, shredded with abs all the time. So people want to train with me and, and they they want me to train them. Um, and then a part of me was like, I don't think this lifestyle is very supportive to what I think health is all about. Yeah. So I was really um, conflicted there for a long time. And it wasn't until I started thinking about, I really want to have a baby. This was in my, my late 20s that I started making some huge shifts with my health and my identity around what health was to me. And that's when I started, um, I looked into further education with the nutrition, the nutritional medicine degree and started implementing all of the changes that I was learning there. And then my cycle my cycle actually didn't come back first. I fell pregnant before I got my cycle back. Wow, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. How amazing. What a journey. Mm. I think for me, I when I actually got off the pill myself, a similar circumstance where I started hearing all these things about the pill being a negative thing for your body and I was starting out in fitness and health and I wanted to be as healthy as I possibly could. Well, I got on the pill when I was 14 for my skin. I had really severe acne and for the 12 months prior to that, I had, you know, tried everything under the sun, which was probably wasn't the best things in the world. Um, However, when I went on the pill, it actually cleared my skin right up. And I was so, so scared that my skin and this acne would come back as an adult that I was refusing to get off it out of fear. And it was really interesting. I took myself off it. I was like, no, I'm just going to deal with this. I look after myself now. I drink, you know, drink the water, I do the exercise. I eat really well. I can get off this and clear my skin up. And I just, with no knowledge or nutritional background whatsoever, I just knew I could do this. And my skin did flare up and it did get really bad for about a month. And then it just cleared and it went away and it was so incredible. And then the, my periods also, whilst I still get period pain and things now that my cycle just linked up in terms of being consistent and the the pains were not anywhere near as bad and so that was really interesting for me as well yeah Yeah. I think um I can yeah relate just when you mentioned about the period pain there so when I was a teen probably like around that 15 16 I can remember like needing heat packs or needing a bit of Panadol or something Mm. like that I had was quite moderate the pain Mm. that wasn't wasn't overly painful that I can remember and then when I got my cycles back after having my son and they're now regular get them every month I have no pain whatsoever so I know Mm -hmm. how to support my body what nutrients are needed um, and to how to balance my hormones to have those great cycles where they pretty much just come now and I don't really other than some months depending on how um, my work life balance is I noticed that that can really affect my energy levels mm. so that's the only sort of thing that I I tend to need to work on these days with having yeah. that great balance with with work so it doesn't affect my cycle where I know some of my clients who have come to me and they've said things like I'm completely wiped out like that week leading up to my period, I'm just so low energy. I'm yeah. irritable, crabby, snappy. The kids are copying it, hubby's or partner's copying it. Um, so, yeah, I help women 
with those symptoms as well. And that's generally balancing out our two female hormones, the estrogen and progesterone is a big one for a lot of mums, particularly postpartum. Okay, that's really, really interesting. I'd love to go into that in just a moment. But before I do, you touched on there that you had a bit of a transition from in terms of um, being in the health and wellness industry and feeling like you had to have that shredded look and be really lean and do all the things for people to want to work with you. And then knowing that you also wanted to become a mum and you knew that you needed to make some changes for your health and integrating that into that transition. How did you go emotionally in that? I would love to know more whether you had some resistance throughout yeah. that period. Yes, absolutely. I had so much resistance and particularly, I guess, you you would know. So, for example, Instagram, social media, like when I first started in fitness, Facebook was big. Mm. So it wasn't really like those photos and, you know, chatting, but it wasn't what Instagram is today, mm. which is um can be for some women, a lot of judgment, a lot of comparison, Absolutely. a lot of, and you are seeing. So when you're in um, really into fitness, like I was back then, and I still am today, I, I love working out. It's one of my passions, but it's not about what it was back then, which was yeah. purely driven by, I wanted to feel good for one, but I wanted to look Great. I wanted to look the part yeah. of a personal trainer as well. Yeah. So what I thought people wanted from a personal trainer. So Back then, there was a lot of comparison for me. So I would go on to social media and all I could see was people with ripped abs. And because I was following a lot of women who they looked great, like they yeah. were, you know, in my, like they were looked like they were working out a lot. They looked like how I wanted to look as well. But then when you started to talk, so I would meet a lot of these girls at the shows or I would start talking to them and they felt shit <laughs> you know their hormone they didn't have menstrual cycles they were hardly eating um they didn't have kids either and I think that was one of the big shifts and I was starting to unfollow mm. and start to look at like who was I wanting to model like who mm. did I want to be a part of this culture that was so driven by what was going on on the outside when on the inside I was completely like um judging myself for how I looked and yeah. constantly, you know, not feeling good enough to be, and I was a great trainer. Mm. Right? So. Yeah. I look, I'm all for any kind of sports and things that drive people to feel successful. And even if that comes with, you know, different modalities, like for me, restrictive eating isn't something that anyone really needs to do, but in, mm. in particular in bodybuilding um, in physique modeling, now you can count macros and still achieve the goals that you want to achieve, right. And look the way that you need to look to win medals mm. on stage. So yeah. in my opinion, now with the resources that we have for anyone that is working with a coach that allows them to lose their cycle, like it's not, it, that mm-hmm. is not health. That is not on, yeah. on the pillar of health for yeah. me. That is not a yeah. great opportunity for you. You mm. need to do something that doesn't actually change. Yes, change your body composition to look the way mm. you want to look, to win what you want to win, but don't do it at the risk of your health. And yeah. I think there's so many um, fantastic coaches like yourself who do have the the knowledge and the experience and life experience to mm. share with your clients that there is better ways. There are more yeah. resources, which can mm. be incredibly empowering, especially for young girls to be hearing and learning that are just coming up and into this world. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think what you just touched on about um, losing your menstrual cycle, getting super lean. So I was in single body, like I would get my body fat tested as part of my comp. 
process mm. with my coach at the time and I was <laughs> single digits, which just blows my mind now when I think about it. Like I would, I'd have no idea what my body fat is yeah. now. I'd have to guess because I, I don't weigh myself. I don't yeah. count calories. I don't weigh food, et cetera. Yeah. But for me back then, I was really proud of that. Yes. It was a part of my identity. And I was like, oh, awesome. Like I'm this, like, wow. And because people also with social media, um, you put up a picture and you look shredded, <laughs> as they say, and people are like, wow, my gosh, like you look amazing. Or, you know, you start like I was, I think, fortunate I didn't have people, you know, any haters on there that were like, oh, you look like a man or you look, you know, <laughs> too, too lean or whatever. Like I had a lot of support and that just drove me even more. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, I put a picture up now and I'm healthy and happy and people don't comment on my body. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and I think that's great. Yeah. Right? It's really great. Yeah. So going into what we were just discussing um, just before, what actually causes low energy in women's health or in females? Yeah. So, so many things. And I think um, there's probably the key things that I see time and time again. And I actually just had a client early this morning and energy was her number one goal. So I can touch on her story. So as if we're talking about mothers mm -hmm. with energy. So a lot of the factors that can come into play is when we're looking after the kids, we're generally, uh, for most mums that I work with, our nutritional needs are coming second to them. So mm -hmm. concentrating on what are the kids eating? What are they doing? And when mm -hmm. I'm looking at what some of the mums are eating and tend to be like the scraps, the leftovers, or they're putting something together really quickly and not really considering the um, nutritional density of the meal. It's so, me. <laughs> My hand's up. It's me. <laughs> um, and it's it's just, it's not that you were intentionally doing it. For a lot of mums, mm. I know they are not. It's about, I just quickly need to get through this. And the more that we do that, the more we are sort of rushing through life, we're not digesting, so we're not breaking it down. We don't have that stomach acid there to break our food down. So we quickly say, got to be out the door in five minutes or I've mm. got to go and we're always rushing to go do the next thing. So mm. there's the factors of not having enough stomach acid to break and absorb those nutrients. There's is there enough foods like energy um, producing foods in this meal, like iron, for example, am I actually able to, get the iron from the meal and then break it down. Um, for a lot of women too, post postpartum, um, as I mentioned before, like their periods can change. So that balance between that estrogen and progesterone, if estrogen is higher, that can often contribute to heavy periods, um, clotting in periods. So you're losing more blood through the mm. menstrual cycle and that can lead to low energy. Um, just nutritional deficiencies in general. So for a lot of mums like vitamin D, so they're not getting enough sunlight through the day, their vitamin D levels can drop. That can affect their mood. Just having that sunlight can affect their overall energy. Uh, sleep is a massive one. So we're not getting that consistent um, eight to nine hours for a lot of women or yeah. Some mums I talk to, they might get more sleep, but they still wake up feeling so unrefreshed because um, they're, they're quite depleted postpartum. So if you think about the journey to become a mum, you know, you go into pregnancy and 
it might be a surprise baby. Mine was definitely a surprise. Um, But I was at the time working towards that. So that was my goal. But for a lot of mums I talked to, they were trying, but they weren't concentrating on a nutritional density diet at the time. So they might've gone into um, pregnancy a bit depleted. So their iron levels might already be low. Their baby is getting a lot of those nutrients And so they're Mm. getting whatever's left over and then they go through the birth and they may have had a traumatic experience in birth or being a new mum, there's a lot of changes that happen within within self and within the body and we're just not recovering post-pregnancy and we might even have back-to-back pregnancies where we have kids, you know, within that 12 months or just over. So that's creating more depletion and impacting on our energy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think it's really interesting too. postpartum for me with my two separate experiences with the, with the kids, Jesse being my first, Lola, my second with Jesse, you don't know until you know, right. But we started breastfeeding um, and I only went for about seven weeks with him and I was eating, but because I wasn't aware of the quantities of protein, fats, and, and carbs that realistically my body needed at that time, I was under consuming in calories big time. I wasn't even like touching the sides and I was always hungry. So with Jesse, we were getting married. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'd know this, but we were getting married 16 weeks after I had him. So I was on like this mission of like fish and broccoli, like straight away, I was eating my three meals and then I was having these limited snacks and everything was super restricted, really unhealthy way to go about things. I fit my dress. I did what I needed to do. I will never, ever do that to my body again. However, through that time of also breastfeeding, I was like, okay, well, I need to lose weight. I need to start today. So I was not eating anywhere near enough, anywhere near enough. And then it was on top of that, we had the sleep deprivation. So the caffeine, I wasn't replacing, I was probably having six double shots of coffee a day because I only drink black coffee. I was like just shotting it back every couple of hours just to get through, right? But then I was not having four liters of water and maybe have my two because all in my head was I need two liters of water and that's enough. But I was also dehydrating and Mm. then drinking alcohol as well on the weekends, like red wine and things. And I always find now when I drink red wine, I'm super dehydrated. So I'm, you know, pumping the water now. Mm. And with Lola, I had the resources and the information at hand, but it's so interesting how different those experiences were and how depleted I felt after Jesse, even though I was eating all the right things doing all the technical right things, but it wasn't enough. And I didn't know what was enough. Yeah, so true. And I think just our, it's such a passion of mine to help women going into pregnancy and then postpartum because our systems are just not, we just don't have the support there that we need. And it's great now with like things like Instagram, those platforms, we're sharing a lot of information about our journeys Um, But I think there's still that lack of care within the government system. So we need to actually look for like functional medicine practitioners like myself and other people out there that know, okay, so for example, um, you feel really tired, you feel really crappy, you go to the doctor and then you're looking at the bloods and it's like, oh, your ferritin's 22. Yep. You're fine. You're great. And you feel like death. You feel like you're a walking zombie. So when I'm looking at these um, pathology results, one of the first things that I'm looking at is, okay, so yes, you might be falling just in within that range. It's still really too low. So your Mm. suboptimal levels, like you give it another month, 
and you don't focus on increasing that iron in any way, you don't know what is actually contributing to that low iron, whether it's poor stomach function, you're not eating enough, you're not digesting heavy periods, whatever it might be, you can easily fall below, um, you know, below that range. And different pathologies out there have different markers for what low iron is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Iron is something that I have in the past um, been supplemented for. So what are some yep. go-to subs that you incorporate to your, your clients? Yeah. So the biggest one that I find is a like the, the most research I should say around iron is the iron by glycinate. So the research, the research shows that we should be taking that every, if our levels are indicated. So you obviously you want to work with someone who can read the pathology and knows how to supplement you best, but every second day, 20 to 25 milligrams. And I like to supplement with an iron that has the cofactors needed for absorption. So I look at often when I see low iron, like that low ferritin stores in someone, I'm also looking at their B12 and I find that B12 can often be low. So supplementing with an, a supplement that's got the B12 in there, it's got the vitamin C, doesn't have anything in there that could potentially um, conflict and be, right. a, yeah, uh, conflict with that iron absorption. So you want to make sure I've seen some women um, that come to me and they're supplementing with the zinc because they heard zinc's really great postpartum, but they're taking it so close to their iron that those two are not going to absorb well together. Zinc mm. competes with iron for absorption. So zinc will always win. Right. That's super like that. interesting. Yeah. And in terms of like for me in my head back in the day, and I'm sure there are so many people that think like this too, um, eating a steak was to for my iron. Like, okay, I've got my period. I'll eat steak this week or I'll have like beef mince this week. Can you talk to me about what foods actually and how much of those foods you would need to yeah. actually create that absorption in the body? Yeah, so for most women, roughly if you're uh, still in that menstrual age, you're looking at eight, around that 18 milligrams of iron for those adult women who are bleeding, like when you're going into uh, perimenopause, menopause years, um, depending on when that starts for you. So you'll notice like your cycles stop, start to drop off. So you won't need as much iron because you're not losing that iron through the bleed. Um but foods that I find are best, particularly this time of year where it's a bit colder, I would be going for more of the slow cooked meats. So the red meats that you could put on the slow cooker, the, the bonus is you're going to get the iron out of those foods. Right. Plus they're already partially broken down. So they're easy to digest, particularly for the mums who are eating with children who <laughs> can be a little bit challenging at dinner time. So you're yeah. concentrating on them. You're not really chewing properly. So you're taking a, a little bit more of the work out of that. Mm -hmm. But we can also get iron from our plant-based sources as well. So making sure that we're getting a variety of plant foods in the diet as well to bring up those iron levels. But when mm -hmm. you're um, focusing on, say, the veggies, or um, the beans and things like that for your iron levels. You want to make sure that you're getting plenty of vitamin C with that because you, um, you've got two different sources of iron. You've got your heme iron, which is from animal products, and then you've got your non-heme iron, which is those plant-based. That is a lot harder for the body to convert. So you want to make sure you're having like things like lemon juice um, in your meals or capsicum, things, tomato, things like that, which have a higher amounts of vitamin C. Okay, great. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, and I think a misconception in the, I, I guess, the well-being industry at the moment, I still have, I've had many conversations in the last six months with family, friends, um, clients surrounding protein and um, the protein supplement, right? So okay. I personally have used a particular brand for a couple of years. And once I started with them, I didn't change. I think they're fantastic. But there is some misconception because a lot of, you know, Coles and Woolies and all of these like easy to access places and now stocking these brands of protein where if you switch it around on the back, you're like, I, you and I look at it and go, Oh no, that's not clean. I don't like, there's no, I'm not going to put that in my body. Like I'd rather have some fish or chicken. Um, for the people that are just starting out on their health and wellness journey, and perhaps they're looking at getting a protein sub, what are your recommendations? What, what do you think they need to look out for in terms of things not to have on the back of the the thing? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, when I'm looking at anything, one of the first things, if I'm looking at something that's in a packet, I'm looking at how many ingredients are in there. So if it's got 20 plus ingredients, I it's a no from me. Mm. I'm just not going to go there because usually it's going to have things like fillers, <clears throat> preservatives, additives, things that I don't want to put into my body to give it the extra work and, and um, put put more um, pressure on my body to do that. So for me, I love a good quality, like a collagen protein. Um, There's a couple of different brands that I really love um, to recommend to my clients. So it really depends on too what, like what your digestive function is like as well. Like some people are even a little bit sensitive, like their guts are a little bit sensitive to some of the um the proteins out there so is that the way in the protein that their guts are sensitive to it can be yeah yeah yeah, it can be for some people um the types of sugars that they put in there can also be really sensitive too yeah yeah i know i think that you're probably aligned with these two brands but i would either recommend happy way or neutral organics i think they're both fantastic brands really clean really great protein and now if you're in newcastle which a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are you can get both of those at iga at new lambton which is oh, awesome so they're yeah. not at coles or woolies just woolies just yet but they're super accessible yeah. um and have deliveries and stuff too so i think yeah. like i recommend them to anyone if you're yeah. starting to incorporate protein the neutral organics ones in the piss in um, particular is quite great because it has collagen and it's yes. like a two-for-one deal sort yeah. of thing yeah. yeah yeah the biggest thing like uh, i love that you mentioned about protein what I find with a lot of mums in particular is they're not getting enough protein in their day, which can also impact on that energy and that fullness feeling. So, for example, when you feel really tired, say it's that three, four o'clock time, you're like, oh, I just feel like I just need to pick me up. Generally, uh, if you look back what you've been eating through the day, I'll often see that there has been very little protein in there. So with my clients, I start them with a very easy to implement um, protein, fats and some fibre with each meal. And then depending on what their particular goals are, I'm looking at, okay, where are we putting in some starchy carbohydrates too? So when I'm talking about non-starchy and starchy, non-starchy coming from a lot of those watery um, plant-based sources like your broccoli, spinach, all of those sorts of things. And then your starchy from like your potato, your rice, things that are a little bit more denser, a little bit harder to break down. Some people are great with that in every single meal of the day. Some people that can make them feel a little bit tired depending on how much they eat of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Mm. I would love to know what 
what does balance mean to you? Yeah, balance. Good it's an interesting question. word now. Yeah. So <laughs> I I do love to utilize the word balance for me and how I utilize it in clinic is I I personally don't label foods as good or bad. Mm. So that was very much um, in the past, not in my younger years by any means, but definitely when I was going through that phase um, that I mentioned earlier where I was getting right into my um, training and what I looked like, it was these foods are good, these foods are bad. Mm. What that created for me mentally was a lack of balance. Mm. So it was very much um, restrictive type eating and what that set me up for was um, some really sort of damaging, I guess, thoughts around um, if I eat this, like, you know, I'm a, mm. not that I said this, but I have heard people say like, I'm not a good person or I'm bad. I've been bad today. I, all, I do hear that yeah. a lot. It's like restrictive thinking, like resti- it just, it, it projects onto other section, sectors of Absolutely. your life. So yeah. you start really thinking quite restrictively within a box because you're yeah. eating within the box. Yes. Yeah. So with a lot of clients that work with me to begin with, sometimes we need to look at things like eliminating gluten, eliminating dairy for a period of time. If they mm. are getting a lot of particularly, you know, respiratory type symptoms, I will often say to my clients, you know, we need to have a trial period with removing these foods. Some people who have had quite a restrictive approach to their diet, that can be a little bit too much for Mm. them. So it's about nurturing that client through that process. And if they want to, um, if they want to put that food back into their diet, they really enjoy dairy or they, they're okay with having a little bit of gluten in some of their foods. It's about guiding them how to eat that appropriately. So it doesn't affect their immune system or it's not affecting their gut health. It's often when we're having huge amounts of these things that that can really impact on our on our function absolutely i went gluten intolerant well i was told i was gluten intolerant um god it probably was like seven years ago now um i went on quite a strict diet which was like inclusive of no sugar no carbs no it was just nothing right i ate nothing (laughs) but spinach and chicken and then that was for six weeks of my life and come off that and i went to um like a birthday celebration and there were these oat biscuits and I was like, oh my God, they're delicious. And I ate like, I don't know, 20 of them. And I didn't go to the toilet for a week. And I was like, what's going on? And then I ate bread or I ate pizza and I didn't go to the bathroom for another week. And I was like on this cycle of what the fuck has happened to my body. So from yeah. that one limited time, six weeks of restriction, I then couldn't, my body would not digest um, gluten in my, this is what I was told. Um, and what I felt to be true as well. But now that I eat really balanced, I have bread nearly every day. I just have a, you know, five seed loaf of bread salad sandwich and everything in proportion is okay. It's when Mm. you start eliminating these foods and then reintroducing them full throttle. It's where your body goes, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing to me? Kind of thing. It's not prepared for it. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. I think for me, it's about the quality too. So I do love sourdough and I'll Mm. eat that or I'll buy like there's a beautiful um, paleo bread that I love and Mm. I would much rather eat a couple of slices than that than, you know, six slices, not that I would ever eat that, but that would make me feel quite sick. But um, (laughs) there are some clients that do eat because it's convenient. So Mm. if we're a mum and we're going for those convenient foods, like make sure it's high quality, like the paleo toast that I love and it's, 
it's it's nutrient dense. So there's a lot of seeds in there. Um, it's got made from buckwheat flour. So there's a lot of great nutrients in there that my body knows how to digest it. It knows mm. what to do with it. Whereas if we're, say, we're choosing something like a piece of white bread um, because for whatever reason it's there's no new there's no nutrients in absolutely that. even for my kids my um, eldest two they often when we have white bread in the house which isn't very often but when we do it's they're still hungry after they have their morning toast whereas yeah. normally we'll have dark or light rye bread yeah. and they'll have a fruit yeah. salad with their toast because they're yeah. then filled up for the morning but they know that like now they've actually after years of me drilling this into them no you get this bread not this one because yeah. it doesn't fill you and they couldn't make sense of how bread's bread yeah. and now they're noticing in their own little bodies they're like why am I so hungry I just had toast I'm like because there's no nutrients in this yes. loaf of bread this one has heaps yeah. so it's really interesting actually that you even yeah. um, mentioned that because that's come yeah. up a lot lately for us well that's like when I go back to balance and it's that that word for me it's like I can have bread but Mm. I'm actually going to be quite selective about which one I'm going to have and if I my kid goes to a birthday party and there's fairy bread there with white bread I'm not going to tell him not to have it that's the the I'm I'm building him to be able to make those decisions for himself Mm -hmm. but for majority of the time if I'm choosing something I'm looking for like how am I going to feel eating this? Is it going to give me the nutrients that I need in my day? Am I going, going to continue to feel great? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Mm. Well, thanks, Ev, for coming on the podcast today. I know you have a busy day, so I will let you get back into it. But it has been an absolute pleasure. I will put all your details in the show notes of the episode for everyone to um, tap on to and, and check you out. Amazing. Thank Yay. you. Thanks, thanks for having me. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.